Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I am your host, Damon Pistolka, and I am excited for our guest today because we have Jason Helfenbaum in here talking about documenting systems to enable scaling. Jason, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Jason, I'm excited to talk about this topic. People may not know the importance of this until they listen to this discussion, but I've seen this personally at the difference good documentation makes in processes in a business. So let's start this off like we always do. Let's talk about your background, Jason, and how you got into helping companies document their systems and processes. So I'm going to give you two answers, actually, the short one, and the long one. Nice. And the, the long one is sort of gets into the psyche. So people yeah. might like, I don't know, they might run. So just even though it's live, well, let's go with it. Let's do it. Um, so the short answer is I used to work mostly with Fortune 500 companies creating customized training solutions. And it could be, you know, we need to train our people in some sort of soft skill thing or a hard skill thing or help. We are reacting to something like we bought a piece of software, customized it to death, and now one knows, knows how to use it. But regardless, like what I was seeing all the time was the threat of the brain drain. Yeah. You know, Damon's been with the firm 10 years. Damon just left. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Yeah. And so rather than have a doom and gloom and a fear attitude, I decided to sort of leverage that in a positive light as far as how can we use existing knowledge to leverage growth? So that's the short answer. Nice. The long answer is I was really frustrated as a kid because I was constantly being told in my report card that Jason is a very bright student who's not living up to his potential. And what was missing from that is guidance as far as how I can live up to my potential. Mm. So it was a very frustrating experience. And I think a lot of us, especially, and I am part of this camp because I am one, business owners kind of feel lonely at the top. Yes. And really what I'm trying to do is help them get out of their own way. Mm -hmm. And, and I'll exp expand upon that just for a second. I would maintain that if you want to be successful, if you want to scale your business, if you want to grow it, you have to focus on the strategy. Because if you're not strategic, you're just sort of reacting to what's going on. Mm -hmm. And there's this concept called the Pareto Principle, also known as the 80-20 rule. And so we would argue that most people should spend 80% of their time in strategy and 20% in ops. And guess what? Business owners are doing the exact opposite. Yes. They're spending all day, 9 to 5, putting up fires, dealing with operational stuff. And then, you know, at 10 o'clock when they're half dead, they're thinking, okay, how do I grow the business? And so what documenting a company does is it right-sizes it and it gets the information out of your head and into the company so that other people can do what you can do. 
Yeah. Yeah. Duplication of effort. It allows Absolutely. you to have others do what, what you were originally doing. Awesome. 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 Because that, that's so, that's so key what you're saying right there. And it, I'm just thinking about businesses, thinking about myself, thinking about other business owners. Yep. You are, you get so stuck in the operations that you're worrying about, hey, are the trains running on time? Do we have them, you know, things working right? What's going here? Where where do I need to be? Yeah. And then at the end of the day, when you're like, hey, I, I I really need to be focused on the next level. How are we getting there? What are we doing? You have no energy to do it. Yeah, totally. And, and, and like I said, we, we like to think, we're all guilty of this. We like to think we're proactive. But we end up being reactive. We react to the market. We react to what someone said. But, you know, if you have that, mission or vision that's guiding you um you may get taken off course a bit here or there because of circumstances that happen but if you have that as your plowshare your guidepost and i'm speaking of of course outside of documentation but just mm -hmm. on that high level if you have that vision um you're going to get where you want as opposed to what's that yogi Berra saying if you don't know where you're going you get there pretty quickly yes yes that's a good one <laughs> yes so you are uh, in, in your your information you talk about being an instructional designer what does that mean no, i'm still figuring that out myself um basically what that means is um i'll sort of say on a high level then explain it in a bit more detail uh, it means i create courses so all those mm -hmm. e-learning things you've been through or if you're a profession the continuing education credits you've sat through hopefully you've enjoyed and haven't fallen asleep during them, mm -hmm. but that was created by instructional designer. And, and the way I describe myself is I don't have any expertise, but I have a superpower. And my superpower is taking other people's expertise and repurposing it in such a way that other people can use and apply it. So the example I like to give, I'm a little bit um, uh, brash maybe when I say this, I can't code to save my life, but I can create a better user guide than a developer can. And mm -hmm. I'm probably not as effective as sales as a sales manager, but I'm willing to bet that if I interview a sales manager, I could probably create using his or her knowledge a more effective sales program than they could. Sales training yeah. program, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool because you bring that you bring that experience of how do you take what someone knows and put it into an understandable format for the next person exactly exactly it's interesting you know like um people have pointed out that uh, the best athletes in the world have sometimes become the worst coaches mm -hmm. and and it's because they don't understand and i'm not saying that a sales manager doesn't understand salespeople, but i bring that outside perspective and when i work with my clients sometimes because i give them an initial, initial complimentary consult um, they say, oh, you're like a business coach. And I say, no, I'm a cross between a mirror and a two-year-old. And they say, what does that mean? I say, well, I just reflect back what you tell me. And I just ask that really annoying question of why, you know, why you do it that way? Oh, cause we've always done it that way. Okay. That's great. Why? And so as an outsider's perspective, I'm not subject to groupthink. I'm asking you to explain yourself. It has to make cogent sense to me. And then I'm going to take that and repurpose it in such a way that makes it as effective as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Because asking the why you can clear through what's really what's factual, actual and what's yeah. not. 
and then you can then lay that out so people can understand what's going on or what they need to do. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, there's a lot to cover here. A lot to cover here. So as you, us? no, no, I'm just, <laughs> I, I got a bunch of notes here and I'm trying to go, where should I start? Because this, you covered one thing and I think is, is so key uh, that I didn't even have written down, but I wrote it down. It's brain drain. I mean, yeah. we, we have so many people that are retiring and especially in manufacturing is one of the areas that I spend a fair amount yeah. of time. And there, you know, so many people retiring and that, that knowledge is gone. And it's, it's just, it, it's known fact and, and in any business it is really. So explain kind of how, what you're doing helps to get that to the next, the next generation or the next people that need to know. Sure. So, so let me talk about on three, let me identify three problems I see and then I'll talk okay. and I can encapsulate all three. This is more typical in smaller businesses where the, the brain drain issue is the owner. The owner knows everything and no oh, one yeah. else does. Right. And it's sort of this love hate relationship where they go, ah, I have to do X, Y, Z. Well, why don't you give to someone else? Ah, but no one knows how. Mm -hmm. Well, have you enabled anyone to know how? No, whatever. It, it's, it's, we can get into that. Number two, my wife hates it when I use this term, but I'll use it anyway. It's when people hold the company hostage. They yes. have job security because they know they're the only ones who know something. Um, and I definitely, let me preface this in saying, I do not like working with companies that say, you know, you know, suck his brain and then fu let's fire him. That's not yeah, my intention. Yeah, yeah. My intention is to, you know, focus again, Pareto principle. What are the 80% of the things that he does that other people should do? And what are the 20% that he or she should be doing? And we can sort of hone in on that, expand his capacity. The third thing is, is sort of funny is like, you'll have a, someone who's been at the company 10 years and look at a rookie and go, yeah, one day he'll get it. You know, I've been here 15 years. By year 10, he'll figure it out. And my answer, my question is, sorry, is why does he have to wait? Why does he, you know, Mark Twain, I believe it was, said experience is a very ineffective teacher. Mm -hmm. Like, why does he have to learn by his or her own mistakes? Why can't he be taught? Yeah. Yeah. And so really just speaking in a blanket terms, um, what you really want to do is centralize and institutionalize information. Mm-hmm. On one level, on a second level, going back, especially to the owner, especially when they want to exit, they want to exit a business. And what I say to them, and I'm sort of half joking, half not is, well, you either need me or a brain surgeon, and I'm a lot less expensive and a lot less painful. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they have a great product, a great service, a great idea, a great song concept, maybe packaged a bit of sales, a bit of marketing. But at the end of the day, it's not really a bona fide company. It's an IP. It's an idea. It's a product. Mm -hmm. And all that stuff is not independent. Right? You need to get it to a point where if it's really a healthy company, it's not dependent on any one person. It's not dependent on the, on the sales guy. It's not dependent on the guy who makes the product. It's not dependent on the owner. If one of them were to go on vacation for a month, if it's a functioning company, it should function fine without them. Mm -hmm. And so... Really, to answer that question, you need to get to a point where, I mean, I, th I think we understand on a basic level, if you own a company, you have your corporate account, you have your own personal bank account. 
they're, they're distinct. You don't, they're not enmeshed. But I think sometimes when we, especially build it with our own bare hands, we a lot of pride, we do get enmeshed. And if you want to exit, I mean, I'm sure this is speaking your language, you need to understand that the company is a separate entity from you and you have to start thinking that way and you have to start building that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I was just on a live stream earlier today where they were asking that, that same question, you know, what are the, what are the three things that, that prevent the sale of the business? And one of them is the dependency on the owner or their yeah. key to the business. And you, you, what you're talking about is, is enabling others to do what the owner currently does is, is one of the most critical factors in, in successfully selling a business. Cause you can't do it. If you, if the owners walk away with, with all the knowledge, what's left. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the thing. And we've seen it in small companies, but we've also seen it in large companies, $50 million plus revenue a year companies. Cause if you have, if you had really good owners that are technically really talented in their areas, um, that can, that can be just as bad as it is for a small company and, and depress the value so much, even if they do get offers that it's not going to be, something that the owners would ever accept. Yeah, I, I mean, like, but even never mind the owner, I'll give you an example. It's a true story. I don't know the people involved. There's a friend of mine who is involved in it. He's an HR consultant. Um, you know, the lottery bus principle really happened. There was a software company. The chief developer died of a heart attack over the weekend. Oh. And they couldn't find or access the source code. And they had to literally reverse engineer their product. Wow. Yeah. That's right. Scary. And, and so I don't want to scare people, but just imagine, you know, a lot of times you surround yourself with great people, but just imagine what is the scenario if they're gone tomorrow? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How does the business carry on? Yes. Well, and, and two, the other thing that, that really what you're, what you're bringing up and what I see in some of the other places where we've not to the extent of the way you're, you're documenting and doing things, but we used to use that kind of um, investigation and clarification on processes and procedures in yeah. in lean business improvement because yeah. you you have to know who's doing what to figure out how you're going to restructure things and and what you're doing I think is a great foundational effort in that and you probably can get it done much much faster than than people that are that are relatively inexperienced at doing it so that you can move to the companies can move to the next phase of that, where we redesign our processes to be much better once we know what they are. Cause if you, like you said, somebody could get hit by a bus and be gone the next day, but absent of that, and they're still there tomorrow. How, how is this beneficial to us to make our company exponentially better? If we, if we really use the data and understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. And then holding the company hostage. And I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big one as well, because, and, and I understand, I understand people, they work hard to, to gain their skills and some of that. And, um, but at the end of the day, the company has to be able to operate if that person walks away or God forbid something happens to them. And that's, that's really where that comes into play is they got to be able to support um, that company's got to be able to move on. And your example of rewriting the code is so critical or so relevant because yeah, um, 
I've, I've been in situations where people like, you know, in, in uh, manufacturing where someone that's a, they're doing say programming for something and they're, they're gone, they're on vacation and nobody else knows what, what's happening in a program and, and something stops. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know? Um, but I can't imagine that having to reverse engineer code. So, um, can, can I, I take know. a slight left turn on you there for a second? Yeah, I do. I do. Speak to a point uh, about taking people, people taking the company hostage. And, and I want to speak to that on, on a broader level um, that is arguably beyond the scope of what I do. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned, I do a complimentary consult. And, and what I'm trying to do is I have a couple of mantras in business. One of them is how can I be of service to you? And mm -hmm. so part of the way I be of service and earn trust to give that complimentary consult. And I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions. I don't care about revenue. I don't care about EBITDA. I don't care about any of that stuff. I care about what's going to threaten or ensure you keep your lights on today and how can you scale and grow. And so I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. One of the questions I like to ask, um, and so this is a heads up for whoever wants a uh, complimentary consult because this question will be coming. Um, I ask, what's your vision or mission? And more often than not, people will say, yeah, I have it written down somewhere. And I go, whoa, whoa. If it's not in your head and on your heart, it's not a real vision or mission. Mm -hmm. And where I'm going with this to go back to the hostage thing is not only do you have to have a vision or mission, but you got to share it with your team and you all have to collectively own it. And, and so to the, getting back to the hostage, if you show someone where their future is with you, and it's not because you know this piece of information, but because I see a future and you're part of it, and I need you to stop focusing on ABC and just focus on B and give A and C to people, other people, then it's not an issue, mm -hmm. right? Because you're part of my vision and I see the future. Stop doing that. Come with me. We're going to grow together. And I think if more companies had those kinds of conversations, you would have less of that threat. Yes, yes, yes. I think I think that's a big help in in changing people's minds about and getting them to actually want to be going forward with the vision. And and unfortunately, on the flip side of that, I've seen some people that listen to it, they understand where you want to go, and they don't want to go. <laughs> and and for a lot of different reasons, okay. and that's cool. That's the, that's cool, you know, because everyone everyone can figure can can make their own choices whether they want to be on the bus or not on the bus yeah. at at, the, at any given time. And I think that what what you're doing though, as you're documenting these systems, so that people, like you said, we can get the right people doing the right things. It's it makes things easier because people can understand. I mean, the big thing that I see when you have an undocumented systems is a lot of people go to work and don't know, did I do what I was supposed to do today? Did I do enough of it? And, and, and am I going to doing a good job? I mean, so we talk about things like we're yeah. talking about documenting for scaling. I'm talking about employee engagement, work happiness in the workplace. I mean, people want to do a good job. And if they don't know what that looks like, yeah. Through documentation, I can see what what my a good job for me looks like. You know, and, you know, in my case, I, I use this. It's so funny because I use this example a lot with with people. I say if, if Damon's the guy that's supposed to empty the trash cans in the building and I know that if I empty 27 trash cans every day, I've done a good job. 
how much different is that than you just say, Damon, empty the trash cans? And, and I go out and empty the ones I think, and I might get 20, I might get five, and, and no one really says anything. But if you sit down and you say, Damon, you need it. Here's your 27 trash cans. If you empty 27 every day, that's a good job. That's what we want to do. Because the documentation that you're doing is, is, is Jason, is helping them understand this. And I think it's, it increases employee engagement and happiness and, and just sense of well-being and what they're doing. And they can then feel a part of that mission and vision. Agreed. I, I'm going to use two words that I use all the time that are arguably interchangeable. Because I, I would say anecdotally, the number one frustration I see is in within workplaces is this disconnect between owners and their employees. And the two words I want to use are competencies and expectations. And not enough organizations spell out what their competencies and expectations are of their employees and how they're being measured by it. And, and having employees clearly understand how they can contribute. And again, it gets back to the vision. So here's my vision. Yeah. And here's your piece, and here's what I need you to excel at, and here's how we're going to empower you to excel. I think uh, this is just me getting on a soapbox for a second, arguably. I think we stigmatize ignorance too much. And if you have good employees, but they don't know how to do something, but they can be trained, why not train them? Why not invest in them? And again, get back to that vision. Here's what I see in three months. Here's what I see in six months. And we're going to create knowledge base and training around that to help you get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can see how they can progress within the the company, within their role, within you yeah. know it's it it works so well. And I I just love how you're tying, you know, documenting these systems, these processes and procedures together into the into helping the person, the employee, be a better contributor contributor to the organization. Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, the, the, these podcasts are interesting because you, you're talking, ultimately talking about yourself and you sort of feel a little, you know, uncomfortable at the same time you want to share things. So I'll say this. Um, there's too many times I've been involved in Fortune 500 training projects where you're in the boardroom and you're talking about things that affect people on the front line. And I invariably ask this question and the responses are not very good. I put it this way. I say, we are creating a training program for someone else. And if we cannot answer the question, what's in it for them, training will fail because mm -hmm. we have to motivate them to want to do it. So for example, I was working with a fortune 500. They just bought some new call center software that we need to develop training on. I said, okay, great. Let's develop a marketing piece of speaking and embed it in the training as far as what are the advantages of this new software? Right. Give me, I'm sure you did your due diligence, why you left vendor A and went to vendor B and didn't go with vendor C. Send me that list. I'll build training around that. So it, it's embedded in that. And they said, yeah, but they need to know the software and that's it. And, and, and I said, okay. And I was just naive and foolish. And I asked the same question a different way. I understand that. However, blah, 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 blah. And they just said, they just need to know the software. And so if you can't answer that question for every person on every level of what's in it for me, you will not succeed. And if you, if there is no answer, maybe you shouldn't proceed. Mm -hmm. Yes, because they have to want to do it at the end of the day. Yeah. They have to want to do it. There has to be a reason behind it that, that, 
creates that that desire for them to do it. Um, whether it's going to make their life better, whether it's going to allow them to be more productive, earn more money, whatever it is, there's got to be a reason behind it. Otherwise, you're going to have very slow, um, very difficult adoption. You will have very difficult adoption, arguably high turnover. And you might say, well, it's part of their job. They just have to do it. But again, if you dig a little bit, if you dig into your vision, dig into your mission, um, it's not too hard. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're working through these, through these projects and you're, you're walking into this place and it's just shambles in, in terms of documentation. What are some of the transformations that you see when you go through an area and you, you've gone, you go step by step through an area and, and, and you've completed the documentation and gone through the work with the people? What are some of the transformations that you see? It's a great question. So I'd say like, what we like to do is do small engagements with our clients uh, because um, we like to build trust over time and we like to see quick results as opposed to, yeah, we'll get back to in eight months and at that point you'll yeah. see something. So the first thing we do once they decide to engage our services is what we call a mind map, which is basically a 30,000 foot view of the entire company. You know, I don't care what you do. I don't care what the titles are and how many people you have in the company. Everyone's going to fit into one side or another, whether it's sales, admin, marketing, ops, whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. Whether you're Coca-Cola or this like lawn service has three employees. And if you're the guy who answers the phones and writes the bills, it still functions you have. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we do is give them that 30,000 foot view of the company, of their company. And sort of say, okay, here's everything that sales does. Here's everything that marketing does. And we don't get down to what I would call keystroke level, but high level. And, and the key question we ask them at this point is, okay, assuming we got from the 30,000 foot view down to the 100 foot level with everything was really explicit, could you go to Bora Bora for one month with no internet and still come back to a company? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, then we haven't done our job. And then we go back if necessary until it's, and we're not only mm -hmm. doing that, what we're also doing, because all sometimes this misalignment is interesting, is we're looking at tasks within the company and then roles with the company and make sure they're aligned. Like if someone says they do all the, these 12 things, we make sure there's a task as far as the company's concerned. And likewise, if there's like 300 tasks, we make sure those 15 employees are covering all those tasks. Yeah. Otherwise we have a gap. And, yeah. and, and usually it's funny, like I have clients that don't have that many employees, but they'll look at what we did and they go, oh my God, I didn't realize how many moving parts we have. Yes. Right? <laughs> They're yes. like, oh my God, we do a lot. And it's like, yeah, you on the go, right? Um, and then what usually happens with our clients is they have a sense of relief because my mantra mm -hmm. is tell me once and then never tell anyone ever again. The other yeah. thing, getting back to the outsider view, is I had a client where I was documenting his sales process and it was his process. And when we were finished, he was so excited and said, oh my God, I can't wait to use this. I said, use it? It's, it's, it's you. He said, yeah, but it wasn't so like solidified and front and center the way you made it. Right? Mm -hmm. It was just sort of in his subconscious, but we sort of pulled it out and forced him to use it. That's a, that's a great point because a lot of people follow a process 
and well, it's undocumented processes, right? It's they follow this in business, and it could be some pieces could be very good, but when you don't have it document and you're not trained according to the documentation, consistency and 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 just you know that I come back in into consistency and quality yeah. of that process are just so much better when you when you have the the process yep. flow and the checks to go okay here we're going to stop here and make sure we've got this and we're going to check off the box or whatever it is go to the next step uh you know and that's what i could see where somebody's saying that because you probably intuitively as an instructional designer had had points to go okay we've done this this and this yep now we're ready to go do this and yeah. that's the that's the piece that on an undocumented process you can inevitably miss one of those steps and move you know, right on. One of the tests I used to do whenever someone wanted to work for me, uh, I would have a two-part test. Part one was really interesting. Um, talk about undocumented features. I want to see what the writing was. And I've had people who had zero background who were phenomenal. I had people with like very extensive CVs. I gave them this test and I was very underwhelmed. And the test was this. I want you to write me instructions on how to draw a square. And it seems so mind-numbingly simple until you have mm -hmm. to do it. And the interesting thing is I've never seen two sets that look the same. Everyone has a very, very different idea of how to draw a square. Mm -hmm. And some of them, arguably, if you don't know how to draw a square, you wouldn't be able to draw a square based on these instructions. You wouldn't. You don't have enough information, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just yeah. really interesting, speaking of undocumented or in your head, to see that play out in that way. Yes. And it can, it can, like you said, it's the simple processes can be very, very difficult to document. Super. It doesn't really matter, you know. Ah, that's a cool, that's a cool test. Because I bet you've got some people that you got blank paper back. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell everyone a secret. Um, most people fail the first part of the test. And the first part of the test is not to do the instructions, but to ask me questions about the instructions. Uh, Who am I writing the square for? Why don't they know how to draw a square? Should they know how to draw a square? Are they literate? Can they read? Are they visual? These are all kinds oh, wow. of questions that you need to ask so that you make sure. <laughs> right? You know, yeah. like, for example, like, well, just to give you two extremes, we've worked with law firms and they're read-write types and they're very, um, want a lot of detail. And it's very text heavy. Um, we've had people in manufacturing where we ended up just making a bunch of laminated sheets because a laptop would last half a minute before it got mm -hmm. squashed. And or we did a lot of video stuff because English was a challenge for these people. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's really about, I mean, you know, just to let everyone in on a secret. The first thing is with any kind of writing, whether it's education or not, know your audience. Yeah, and then, like you're saying, adapt the methods of training to the audience. Absolutely. <laughs> so cool. So cool. So as you're doing this, what are some of the things that you've seen where, where you've gone, wow, that is really, really an interesting way to, you know, carry out this, this and I'm not saying documentation, but just to, like you said, use of video, use of, of, of pictures, whatever else to, to document a process in a way that we wouldn't normally think of. 
but it was a unique way that worked really well. That's a really good question. I have to think about that. I mean, one thing my team and I constantly do is we try to reinvent ourselves. So we always mm -hmm. try to come up with a new project. Uh, I'll give you an example of one that just happened recently. Uh, we were hired to create a bunch of cheat sheets. The guy went in a lot of detail. Um, the usually general rule takes maybe an hour or two to extract most of the information on a given process or area. And then maybe there's a bit of follow-up. Usually I will write what I call top heavy emails where I'll write a very extensive question that they could just say yes or no to, and hopefully not need to give an essay answer. Mm -hmm. um, the, for these cheat sheets, it took us six hours in interviewing him, which is a lot. And so when we extracted the information, it ended up being like 80 page manual wow. because it went into such detail. And so what I'm, it wasn't me, I'll be honest, as my writer came up, I thought it was brilliant. She created it in Word and uh, created the hover feature. So it was just like, here's bullets, it fits on one page. You move your mouse over and all the details appear. Oh, wow. Right? So it's an example like that. Um, yeah. Uh, Super things cool. we've done also is like we were doing a workday implementation years ago and we created a website that looked just like workday except it was a training site. That's cool. You know, so it, it, it's, it's not for, for us, it's, it's, it's never saying been there, done that because the project may appear to be, have the same attributes, but the mm -hmm. is different or the industry is different or the need is different. And it's, it's really about, thank you for saying it's cool. For me, what's most important is to say, okay, what's going to best serve? And the way we do that is we kind of reverse engineer. So what yeah. outcome do we want? And based on that, what input do we need to create to get that outcome? Yeah, right. and like you said, knowing your audience too is, is huge in that well, process. What I like to say all the time is the only metric I really care about is this as an instructional designer and as a business owner is I only care about three letters, which is ROI, mm -hmm. right? And, yep. and so regardless of what I'm creating, it's either going to give me more money, less expense, more time, something, something that we could tangibly measure that makes us say this is worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. Because if we can't come with that, it's not worth pursuing. Yeah. So in your, in your work in this, are you seeing that augmented reality or virtual reality is starting to play, you know, not maybe not so much in the documentation, but is it starting to play a piece in tying that into the documentation into the real world of, of you know, yeah. in the, in the physical world? Cause I, I, this has swam in my head for so many years now of the possibilities. I think augmented reality, yeah, I started to see it more and more in training. And quite frankly, I'm seeing it more in the Fortune 500s, okay. right? Because it's hard, again, it gets down to price point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? It's, it's hard to, um, and I, I try to avoid, and I'm not suggesting you're going down this route, but I try to avoid what's sexy in favor mm -hmm. of what works, right? So yeah. if you are doing augmented reality where, you need to, because let's say for argument's sake, we want pilots to fly planes. We probably, I could be wrong, but we probably want them to crash an augmented reality plane as yes. opposed to a real one, right? Yes. 
Yes. Um, sort of like that bad joke. I, when I die, I want to go in my sleep like my father, not like his passengers as he went over the cliff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think augmented reality um, has its place. I think uh, as time goes on, that technology will become cheaper and every man will access it. I don't think it's yeah. quite there yet, but it's getting yeah. there. Yeah, I, I think about things like when in, in manufacturing or in servicing, say I'm say I'm with a, a large company like Caterpillar, yeah. right? And I've, I have multi hundred thousand dollars pieces of equipment all over the globe. And I and I I have somebody in, in the middle of, say, wherever that needs to fix a piece of equipment or simply service that piece of equipment. And how documenting a process through augmented reality and 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 just giving that person like yeah. some goggles or something to be able to go, okay, this is where you lubricate here, and 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 it sees you doing it. It says, "Yep, check. Exactly. I lubricated it there." I mean, I think of that how much skill that, and not just skill. I'm not. That's not the right way to say it. How much errors it will take out of those kind of things and, and how much better their equipment would perform because the maintenance or the, just the troubleshooting would go so much more smoothly. Exactly. And especially if you talk about multiple plants in multiple locations, if you have augmented reality, then geography is not an issue anymore, right? Yes. Yes. I it just, exactly. cool. uh, you, we were thinking about it and I was talking, I kind of got off the boat here, but it's, it's awesome. something that I think, you know, when you, when you look at different ways, you start talking about video, you start talking about the, the way that you're using a word document with a hover. I think there's, there, there are so many more uh, opportunities now for us to really take this, these, this documentation and not just simply have it written down on a piece of paper or in a book or on a computer, uh, like you said, in the, in the pictures or, video that they can they can just download or, or look at when they want to um so as as you guys are are going out and about now what are some of the biggest challenges you see with documenting processes and procedures hmm um i think some of the challenges i see um is that the challenge is not with documentation itself but the process itself to your point Hmm. Right. And, and, and it gets back to what I said before, being of service to people. So I may look at someone that wants to hire me and say, I'm more than happy to work with you, but you need this fractional CFO first, this fractional COO first. Um, the other thing I see is um, trust factor. Right. Like I said before. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of talk about this as well. I've heard from a number of people in the M&A space it is at the 11th hour, uh, the deal doesn't close because the owner has cold feet. Mm -hmm. Because they suddenly realize, oh my God, I'm really doing this. And do I really want to do this? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so I, I think it's a longer answer. I'll say this is, is I say a challenge is having it in an exit scenario having the owner understand what his or her significance is post exit. Mm -hmm. In other words, if I see myself as an owner and now I'm not an owner, who am I? And you have to answer that question. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. And I was, and, and I think as, as you, you talked about previously or earlier in the, in the conversation about um, getting that, that information out of the owner's mind and, and, 
allowing them to enable others to do what they thought they may not have been able to do before is is one of the first steps on that process because then they see themselves differently in the business and you have to keep them in that spot enough to see themselves differently again outside of the business and what life after that looks like yeah totally because because you're right it, they, the the owners that don't take that time to do that will inevitably get cold feet many times even good offers and everything just because they simply don't know what's next for them and this is comfortable yeah the devil you know <laughs> as they say right yeah yeah, yeah. that's great that's great so as you look forward to uh, the future documenting systems what are some of the cool technologies that you guys are implementing as far as you know maybe ingesting information collaboration what's what's going on you see that that's interest you guys in what you're doing i mean one of the tools we love right now is something called otter.ai which is basically mm -hmm. professional transcription software um that i find that very effective to just be able to take an interview and just transcribe it um, i think the thing that's on a lot of people's minds is ai and we're sort of playing toying with it um I'm not seeing it. Uh, I think it's in its infancy still. So yeah. I think it, it's it's a conversation that will evolve. Um, yes. I, I'm kind of impressed and underwhelmed at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's. I'm no expert in AI. I play with it a lot, right? And I can tell you that if I was a coder, I probably would love it. And if I'm a marketer, it probably it may generate some ideas, but it's really not. If you're doing what you're doing and writing documentation, it may help you to clean up documents. I see there's some things where it's really effective at that sometimes, but it's definitely not going to replace too many humans at this point, I'll say. No, but just like, like, you know, I've been asked a lot on podcasts, what do you think about AI? And I said, it's like asking me in 1988, what I think about the internet. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Right? That's, that's the way I say it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's just starting, right. It was when it, in October they released, you know, the first something like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Um, It'll be interesting though. Honestly, what, how it can help us to, you know, do do a better job at what we're doing is is what I think will be interesting. You know, um, if it can if it can help if you can help to feed a documented process into something and it helps walk people through it more. I don't know. There's there's a lot of op opportunities, but like you said, it's real early. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm excited. It's, it's kind of interesting to see how it's going to affect my industry and others as well. But it's it's yeah. premature at this point, and uh, yeah, yeah, very good. So what challenges are you seeing people uncover that they really didn't know that they had and solve when they document their processes? Well, I think we touched on most of them. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. say one thing, I'll make it more succinct, is, is people recognize the difference between what they could do versus what they should do. Ah, right. That is that is new. That is good. And, and, and what I've done with some people, I, 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 sometimes you invariably in family businesses become a marriage counselor. As I'm sure we all do when we deal with family mm -hmm. businesses. And 
I have a prospect where the husband, his wife really wanted to hire me. And the husband was convinced he can't be replaced. Therefore, there's no point in doing this. And, and I said, okay. And, and I, like, she was looking at me, like, help me with him. And I was like, I can't help you with him. Um, he can help himself if he wants, but you know, yeah. And so I said, here, here, I have a test for you. If, if you think you want to work with me, I want you to walk around with a little notepad and a pen. And every time you put a task, you do a task, I want you to write down the task and put a C or S in front of it, which is could versus should, and show me what you came up with. He never got back to me. But if I can offer owners one takeaway, it's just do that. Just keep a list of everything. Look at your calendar. Look at what you do. Look at your tasks. And ask yourself, is this something I could do or is this something I should do? Could or should. I love it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's just awesome. Jason, it's been great having you because, I mean, you are obviously very experienced at helping people document their systems and processes and procedures into usable training for the next generation or others or even us to make sure that we continue doing the, the process the way we intended, uh, as your example said. So how can people get a hold of you if they want to want to talk with you, Jason? So uh, my company is clickknowledge.com, C-L-I-C-K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E.com. And if you put a forward slash booking on there, you can book a session with me, or you can also reach me at jason at clickknowledge.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thank you awesome. so much for this. This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I... Again, for the people that were listening, uh, go back and <laughs> rewind this because Jason dropped some real, real golden gems in here about documenting processes and the importance, some of the challenges you're going to see. And if you need to talk to, need to think about this, talk about it with Jason, go ahead and reach out to him on LinkedIn. Jason, thanks for being here today. Thanks. And again, I mean, I'm offering a free consult. So I would love to talk to anyone who thinks they may or may not need something. Just love to be of service, whether it's yeah, through right. me or through someone I can introduce you to. More than happy. Yeah, and yeah. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hold on for a minute, Jason. We're going to shut the show down for now, and we're going to catch up and, and be done for the day. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back again next week.